We are back for another season of Around the League from UGASports.com. This is our SEC-centric show where we go through and talk about each game in the SEC. We do it with former Georgia head coach Jim Donna, national championship winner at Marshall and at Oklahoma and College Football Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm Dane Young, and that's Brent Rollins as well. We do Film Don't Lie with UGASports.com, but this is the show where we talk about all of the SEC. As we're recording this, we have a couple SEC games in action. We'll mention those teams briefly in a minute, but the way that I want to start this, guys, is just one, football's back, so that's a celebration in itself, but I want to talk about kind of the matchups in between conferences here. First game on the radar for me is Utah versus florida so coach welcome back to around the league we'll mention connor grading and landscaping and asw distillery our sponsors of the show as we move on but i'm gonna start with you the utah utes and the florida gators that game in the swamp 7 p.m on saturday on espn utah a road favorite three points the last i saw yeah just a really exciting game uh, for for utah to come back across the mississippi and play uh, you know, we're seeing two Pac-12 teams play SEC teams and openers. But I think everybody's got to realize, even though Billy Napier's a new coach and all, he's a good coach. And Florida's got really some really outstanding players. But I, I just think this is going to be a real, very tough physical game. Uh, Cameron Rising's a Heisman Trophy quarterback type uh, candidate. And uh, they can pound you. So, It'll be a big win if, if Florida wins, but I, I just don't see unless Utah just gets in the swamp and goes crazy about all that noise and stuff. It'll be hard for the Gators. The being at home is really the only savior for Florida, I think, in this game because the matchup favors Utah. But what's interesting about it is that, like, you think about the Napier era and it's starting, and you've got a home game against a top 10, top five type opponent, and then you got Kentucky, one of your sort of primary SEC East rivals in the first two games. Like if you go zero and two, because the fan base already just going crazy that oh this is this is not going to work out. It's not going to work out. But you know versus two and zero or you know what do you how does that work? But all right, I ask you this, Dane. Yeah. Can you name one offensive playmaker, skill position player for Florida? Off the top of my head, I, outside I of quarterback, no. outside of the quarterback, hey, everyone stops at Richardson. They got some good backs. I don't know. I know their numbers, but uh, they don't have the near the playmakers they've had in the past. So. Uh, and, that's a good question to start off, but uh, I can tell you this. They lead America in the uh, number of people that help the building out. I mean, they got so many people working there. I, there's no way that uh, Napier knows all their names, but let's move on to that next one, big boy. Well, We're Coach, gonna go Coach, I was going to ask you, what is a game-changing coordinator? Do you know? That's the uh, special teams guy. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I, I do want to point – because like, I think a lot of people are talking about that Utah – favorite in this game, winning at the line of scrimmage. I think most people are picking Utah to win it. Let's not forget that Florida, and I know they lost pieces, but this is a team that should have beaten Alabama last season. And that if it weren't for a crazy two-point conversion call, there's talent on this roster. Yeah, but they've had a lot of guys transfer. I mean, they lost to UCF in the bowl game. Uh, everything was trending downward there after that Alabama game. So, uh, But you always remember, Florida Gators are a tough football team to beat uh, in the swamp. Tough team to beat. It's, it's a great on. opening game. It's a great opening game, I think, just as for the opening weekend of college football. Yeah, except if I'm Billy Napier, I would have read it opened up with, uh, uh, you know, PWU or somebody. But uh, it, it's it's a good game. Like you said, two, two straight weeks. They're going to go against the Wildcats next week, too. 
the first four games that we talk about, we're kind of calling this our main course. And what Coach is saying is that Florida would rather be a cupcake this week to start off its uh, slate. Uh, another one of the marquee games here is number 23, Cincinnati at number 19, Arkansas. Uh, this is a six and a half point favorite for the Razorbacks. That game ESPN 330, same time as Georgia and Oregon. And Brent, I, I don't really know what to think about this Cincinnati team because they lost so much to the draft. They were one of the most productive teams last year in terms of pumping players into the pros. Yeah, and it's when you talk the first thing you said though, the the six and a half point spread. When you think about what Cincy lost to the draft as a as a group of five school. Now, granted, yes, they were in the playoff this year, but given all that they did lose the draft, I mean, we're talking first-round pick, their quarterback, all sorts of other playmakers, especially on defense. It's amazing that it is just a seven-point spread. Uh, for Arkansas, it's just one where, all right, what are you going to get out of some of the transfers? What are you going to get out of Jaden Hazelwood? Can you at least be, like, from a season standpoint, can you at least be as good as you were a season ago at the 8-4 and four world? Or can you take that sort of next step uh, as, what is it, third-year Coach Pittman? So, it's a good, again another great matchup, but like you said, I'm I'm intrigued as much as anything just to see what Cincinnati has. But I think this game is on at the same time, maybe as another game that we might be watching. Yeah, it's going to be uh, simulcast with uh, Georgia. So <laughs> I'm just going to say this about the Razorbacks: they've had a lot of euphoria. Sam Pittman's gone in there and really established his own program. But at the same time, to make that next step to the next level. Uh, out outside the Outback Bowl and winning eight games is a tremendous thing to do in the big uh, conference that he's playing in, in the SEC. Uh, he lost Burks. Uh, he brings in Hazelwood. You know, we're hearing about Matt Landers, who really had a, a really tough career here at Georgia, particularly dropping passes. He's one of their receivers, and Breeny transferred there from Georgia as a uh, nickelback. So uh, I just think Cincinnati uh, – has a has probably a tough mountain to climb because, like you say, the guys they missed off of last year's team. But uh, really good coach, a very physical team. It'd be one in the trenches. Uh, Arkansas has got some good trenches. Uh, the one thing that you've seen about them year in and year out under Pittman, though, they have a hard time the offense playing good at the same time the defense does. They just are vice versa. The defense has a game where it looks like they can't line up and then – the, the next game they get some turnover. So I think continuity there maybe might help them. But uh, Cincinnati will play them close, but the Hogs probably will win. To that extent, and, Coach, I kind of think the home field helps out Arkansas here too. Oh, sure it does. I mean, uh, the, the thing about the the, uh, the Hog fans, they're so loyal. Uh, they suffered so much under Morris, the fact that they lost so many games and got embarrassed. And then they got a breath of hope under Pittman. I mean, he's one of their people. Uh, he's he's the guy, you know, he's the boss hog. And they really uh, responded to him. But I think there might be a little bit of, uh, of just a little bit too much hope there that's not reality to me. I think they're going to be a decent team in the SEC. But to make that next climb and challenge Alabama, uh, I don't know if they can do it this year. It's only, it's only possible if Jefferson takes another leap. Like if he becomes a complete – quarterback to me like where he's not like if you look at his numbers last year he was over 56 percent completion deep balls but like intermediate sort of shorter throws right at 50 percent. he was better on the deep ball than he was in this sort of intermediate intermediate area where you think hey this is where a quarterback needs to shine 
So I think if he takes that next step, you might get that. But again, like you said, coach, I, I agree. It's not as likely. Yeah, and you've coached quarterbacks and you know what it's like to train them. It's a lot easier to throw a deep ball than it is an intermediate because of all the underneath coverages, because of the reads. And because usually when you're throwing the intermediate routes, it's second or third down and uh, you got to make it first down. So, uh, if he can make that jump, that certainly will enhance their team. The other thing he looks to do is he runs pretty quickly with the ball instead of staying in the pocket. But I think it's probably uh, – I don't know what kind of NIL money he got to come back, but it certainly was worth whatever it was to get him because he's a veteran quarterback and he can help him win. As a whole with both Arkansas and Cincinnati, I just find that these are two of the most well-coached teams every year. Like, I think they maximize the talent they have because there's a lot of talent on the coaching staff on both sides of this. Exactly. And they love, you know, you just look at Marcus Freeman. Two years ago, he was a D coordinator there. Now he's the head coach at Notre Dame going in, trying to be keep from being 0-2 as a head coach. He lost his first – bowl game now he's going against the Ohio State Buckeyes I think he's probably going to be 0-2 <laughs> I would agree let's uh, go to the other game at 3.30 at that time coach you and I have talked about it a lot so I'm going to give Brent the stage for Georgia and Oregon the dogs a 17 point favorite playing the Ducks on ABC Brent what's your read on this one uh, that, that I think when you look at Georgia's schedule you might look back and towards you get into the season and be this is the toughest and most talented team they played and when you look at, you know, I know it's sort of on the other site, but the blue chip ratio and how, how many of the four and five star recruits that are on a roster, Oregon is tied with Florida for the most on Georgia's schedule at 60% of their roster. And that I think that's what the most intriguing thing of this game to me is, is was Cristobal more recruiter than coach and that Lanning comes in and adds the coaching element of it and they, they play a lot better uh, than they have in, in the past. Or is they are they kind of the same? Because they actually, you know, there's legitimate talent there at, at Oregon. But I do think Georgia's too deep. I think this is to me. This feels like a Kentucky game a year ago for Georgia, where it's a very physical game, and just their depth and playmaking ability went out sort of in the end. Let's go to Florida State and LSU, a game with as many variables as I think you can find in a week one. Seven thirty on ABC on Sunday the Sunday game of this slate coach. Uh, I, I know Florida state has a lot of answers uh, that they need to find, but LSU, I, I, I had their quarterback situation all wrong up until about two weeks ago. I thought miles Brennan was going to be their guy. And now he's not even a football player anymore. Uh, what do you think Brian Kelly's bringing there? Because I have no idea. Well, the thing that Kelly brings is a winning tradition. Now he's won everywhere he's been. You go back to central Michigan. Uh, he, he even won the national championship division three did a great job at Cincinnati and then Notre Dame. And he's making a lot of money down there, and he's got a pretty good staff. He brought Cincinnati's offensive coordinator in to coach with him. He actually coached with him before, I think, maybe at Central Michigan. Uh, the biggest thing for, for all of us to remember, LSU is going to always have pro, uh, really good players. Uh, they've, they've had some guys transfer, but at the same time, they've had some guys come in. And uh, – I think the talent level is just a little bit better than FSU. FSU is struggling to get to, get over the hump and get a signature win. But, uh, you know, I just think LSU's got too many players for them. I agree. And you, you talk about bringing players in, Coach. LSU, number one in the Power Five in terms of snaps gained via the portal. So not necessarily a number of players, but at least snaps and experience. They had the most of any team in the Power Five. And what's interesting for – 
when you think about how the SEC West is going to shake out, the two teams that I'm looking at to compete possibly with Alabama, one is Ole Miss, but and two is LSU, but mainly because of their schedule. Like you look at their schedule, they it's a they're, they should be four and you know they get through this game. Miss State at home, I, I think they sh- they're more talented team there. They should win. At, you know, at Auburn, again, I think the more talented team. And then they got Tennessee and Florida back-to-back. They might be 7-0, and you know, 6-7-0 going into a back-to-back home slate with Ole Miss and Bama. So if Kelly can get things rolling, and, you know, a lot of momentum there that can be gained. But like you said, I think him with the talent, and I think he – and that's the reason he moved. He realized that in the end, I need that level of talent to – get that ultimate prize versus he moved he for the money. He moved for the money. He got the money, but he also, uh, you know, got tired of getting his pants pulled down in the big games. I mean, they just got, um, they did a good job coaching and everything, but they just got out. Um, they got manhandling these uh, f- college football playoff games, just talent wise. And the one thing he was able to do was start getting some pro players in there with his recruiting at Notre Dame. And I think he'll do for sure that at, uh, LSU, uh, he's a good game day coach. The thing I always remember about Brian Kelly, and I'll throw this in here, when he got the Cincinnati job, they were getting ready to play a bowl game, and they had one week before the game, and they asked him if he was going to coach or or what he was going to do in the game. He said, I'm the Cincinnati coach. We're going to run our offense. We're going to put it in there. And they said, well, how long is it going to take you to, to get this going? He said, about two minutes. (laughs) You know, when he said that, there wasn't any question about he's in charge and he wanted to get his program going, and uh, he's got a lot of confidence in himself. And, you know, no question about it, he's one of the top coaches in the country. He is, and and one of my favorite things of a new college football season is seeing how new superstars develop because all these guys went pro, the stars of last year, most are gone. Obviously, some guys like Jalen Carter at Georgia is still around, but I'm going to give you a name who's going to be one of the best players in the SEC and maybe the country, and Georgia fans know from recruiting, it's Mason Smith. This guy is incredible, and he will be a force in the SEC West. They got him him and Butte. I mean, Butte walk in any place in America and play, so could Mason Smith. And uh, I don't feel sorry for LSU. I mean, uh, we will see how they do, but uh, they'll certainly challenge everybody on their schedule – They'll, they'll be well coached and they got some good players. So that's our uh, primary four games of the week. We're calling that our main course here. Uh, this show is presented around the league is by Connor grading and landscaping. They're back with us for another season. So if you are in the Northeast Georgia area and you need some yard work done to make your home game day ready, whether it's grading or landscaping, they do some work with the uh, pavers and the fire pits. Make sure you go check out Connor Grading and Landscaping. That's at connorgrading.com. They've been by Brent Rollins' house. They've done work there. Brent, I think you said you have them coming pretty soon, right? Yeah, he's coming. The guys, I talked to Mike uh, earlier this week, and somebody's coming next week. Got a, some kind of cleanup work to do. I've let some things slide a little bit and some other things, maybe some turf type things that I want to do uh, in the backyard. So, you know, they're coming again next week. Great. Day. Hey, it's not every day they get to come to the Taj Mahal. I mean, come on. They get get to go look at your house and help it out. They started it out, too, with some great landscaping. And the thing I like about them is just the interpersonal relationships. They're going to work exactly with what you need, and they're going to work, uh, listen to your needs and show you how they've got the capabilities of making your 
your whole place look better and uh, more efficient. Run by some Georgia fans in Northeast Georgia. So if you want some people that have some creativity, that, that's what I like, Brent, when you were telling me that you can have a conversation with them and, and they'll say, hey, maybe we do it this way and it's going to make your yard work and kind of flow in this direction. Maybe the creativity that you didn't have if you're not a landscaper yourself. That's Connor Grading and Landscaping. Check them out at connorgrading.com. All right, so for our side dishes, if you will, these are kind of just two interesting games that aren't marquee. Uh, one of them, to me, Memphis against Mississippi State. I feel like this is a, a pretty common opener with these two schools. This is a 7.30 kick on Saturday on ESPNU. Coach, Mississippi State a 16-point favorite, but when I see Memphis on the schedule, I, I get a little nervous. Well, you know, we saw that inexplicable game last year when Memphis got the win. And I'm sure it sticks in Coach Leach's crawl. But, uh, you know, they got a, a veteran quarterback. Rodgers can really uh, pinpoint his pass, and he knows what to do. Uh, Memphis has, has got a style that we'll probably see some of against uh, Georgia, against uh, uh, Oregon, and the fact that Dillingham, the, the offensive coordinator, was at Memphis. They throw the ball down the field a lot, but they power run you too. So uh, it's either big plays or, or not for that for the Memphis team. So – but it looks like uh, defensively, uh, Mississippi State starting to turn the corner. Uh, probably should win. I don't know if they can cover the 16. What's amazing with Miss State all these years is with and with Leach, with Coach Leach specifically, is that year in and year out, whether he's at Texas Tech or Washington State, for the most part, he protects his quarterback. I mean, it, it, as many times as they throw the ball, and now granted, obviously, how far down the field they throw it, how quick the ball comes out, that impacts a lot of those things. But you look at what Charles Cross, who was a top 10 pick, what he's doing in, in the preseason with Seattle, he's going to be their starting left tackle, like legit big-time player. And, you know, it's just year in and year out. They crank out pass, you know, pass protectors uh, along the offensive line because they have a QB. And, and I would probably put Rodgers up there in the top two and or three of quarterbacks in the conference, specifically from an accuracy standpoint, maybe not necessarily a playmaking standpoint. But just like anything else, can they take a next step? They're probably going to get someone, you know, and it's a matter of who. And I think you know, I, I just can they get the nine wins? I, th I think that's if they get the nine wins, that's an utterly successful season for them. You talked about if LSU can get off to a hot start. I, I think that's the case for Mississippi State. I think the biggest question with them is going to be depth and how they manage the season. But I, I, like you said, I think they can compete with pretty much anybody with that passing game. Like – even when Georgia played it a couple of years ago uh, in Athens, that, that was a, a bear of a game because Georgia just had to stop all these three-yard passes, and it's not fun to go against. You can't get off the field. It's kind of like playing the wishbone. The offense is sitting over on the sideline saying, we want to get out there, but you, you, you better be careful because they know what they're doing, and they're going to, uh, beside protecting the quarterback, they get rid of it very quickly, and they got just a myriad of different screens behind the line and do so many good things, but uh, – you know, the thing about it, they got a tremendous win last year at A&M, which was kind of a signature win for that team to go on the road and beat an A&M team that even though they uh, had beaten Alabama, that was just a tough loss for them. Kind of took the stinger out of A&M, I thought. The other interesting game in the same window, 7.30 on ESPN+. Plus, Georgia State at South Carolina. And I know there's a lot of feel-good around South Carolina right now, Brent, but we've seen Georgia State and openers really give people all they can handle. Yes, 100%. Just ask Tennessee fans, right? It's 
can, I mean, is the hype worth it? Or, I mean, it, does it live up to the hype, I guess, with South Carolina? And I think for me, with it all becomes and gets down to the quarterback with Spencer Rattler. What level is he going to play at? Is he actually someone that can elevate his teammates, or is he going to be someone that doesn't necessarily do that like we saw at Oklahoma? So there's talent there. Cam Smith, Jaheim Bell. Like they brought in a transfer from James Madison, who's one of the most sort of valuable receivers in FCS last year. Jordan Birch, former top, you know, top 15 type recruit. Like there's talent there. It's do they have the depth? Can they you know, compete? Can they step up, maybe be that second team in the SEC East? I don't know. I, I tend to think all the SEC East teams not named Georgia are going to be in that seven and five, eight and four range and just kind of beat each other consistently. Yeah, I don't see South Carolina being in the second uh, and making that move. Georgia State scared the heck out of Auburn last year. I mean, really, T.J. Finley didn't come in the game. Harson might have gotten fired right then. But uh, there was just an uh, inexplicable defensive performance by in the first half by Auburn, but they came back in the second. But, you know, I've had a chance to study Spencer Adler because everybody knows that watches around the league. I'm a big Oklahoma man. I watch them a lot. I got ties out there. My son's out. He is a really good uh, quarterback when he has protection. But he, he, even though he looks kind of athletic, he cannot get out of the pocket. He, he's not very good when he gets pressure on. And he's going to get tremendous pressure from these SEC rushers. I, I just think that everybody's got delusions of grandeur about Spencer Rattler. I'll be the first to, to say congratulations to you. But I just don't see him. I could see Luke Doty coming in there and saving the day for out for them. But maybe uh, maybe not against Georgia State, but uh, a more athletic guy that can get on the corner and do all the things. But I think all this hype about Spencer Rattler is just uh, – Just, just out that. Of, out of range. And, uh, well, you study him. I mean, what do you think of him? I, I, the same. The, the, the athleticism part is the, the one that really – you just you, – he moves around a little bit, but – just the speed, the ability to truly make plays with his feet is just not there. Yeah, he's a good seven-on-seven seven guy. I mean, he got good good release, throws the ball accurately, does a lot of things. But, you know, I got a scouting report from him from the, the people out in Arizona because one of my quarterbacks is kind of a guru out there and trains him. And he said, Coach, he said he, he's really good as long as he gets protection, but he's going to have trouble. And, uh, you know, he's one of the first guys – and to say when something goes wrong, it's not me, it's it's somebody's fault. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I hope it does well. I'd like to see Beamer keep going good. But uh, Greg Atkins, one of my coaches, is the old line coach. His son actually transferred there from East Tennessee after having a stellar career. Might be the starting tight end, so let's watch him. But uh, South Carolina still got to play their two biggest rivals, Clemson and Georgia. And uh, against neither one of them last uh, year did they even look competitive, particularly uh, against Clemson. But against Georgia, first quarter, they played okay. We got some cupcake games that we're going to run through pretty quickly. But first, I want to tell you about a new partner for UGASports.com, and that is ASW Distillery out of the Atlanta area. You know, my favorite thing about ASW, other than they make some uh, pretty darn good bourbon, but they also make some gin and, uh, and some vodka as well, if that's your jam. 
but the main thing is that they like to say that they are distilled by dogs. Five of the six of their partners that founded ASW Distillery, they're Georgia grads. And so they're the only distillery in the country with multiple Georgia grads as founders. So whether you go to their three tasting rooms in Atlanta or uh, your local shop near you, look for ASW products. I like the uh, the Fiddler. They have uh, some different varieties of bourbon that I think most people like. You'll see more about them on the post-game overreaction show after Georgia and Oregon. But that's Here's a nice look thing that we, we can do here from all the and we got people from from other schools. But if everybody on the dog vent that likes to get a little shot once in a while and just go on and get one, uh, that would really help this group. And knowing that we got five out of six, the, the other guys probably transferred from Georgia. I don't know, but <laughs> it's a good group and we appreciate the sponsorship, but we also uh, want to promote them and hope that they'll, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with somebody taking a little toddy here right before the game. Let's go for it. <laughs> need to try the product, right? We need to, we need some samples, right? Or some right. I have one they sent me in the house. I'll save it for Sunday. Uh, I will say, if you have five of your six that are Georgia grads, I think you should make the other one go get a degree. Honorary. Right. Yes. I mean, come on. Yeah, we'll no, not honorary. Him. Go make them earn it. Like, yeah. we'll, give him, we'll give them honorary. Let's go. Uh, a couple games that are happening as we're recording this. Uh, I don't really care about the matchup as much because Tennessee is destroying Ball State as expected. But quickly, Brent, Tennessee, uh, a lot of hype for SEC East this year. They spread the field deep and wide. What do you see from Hypo in year two? I just want to. I worry about their depth. I, I, they have probably the best quarterback wide receiver, just one QB, one wide receiver combination in the league with Tillman and Hooker. And it, that's great. But is Brew McCoy that just got, el, got made eligible and is playing in the game? Is he going to make an impact as a receiver? Is Hyatt going to take a next step as a receiver? They lost the second rusher. I just the offensive line returns most of the players, but they're not necessarily, it wasn't like they returned great players. They return guys who just weren't were average to below average from especially from a PFF grading standpoint. I just worry about their depth. Their two the corners are gone. I, I, I love the system. I love how much you know it's fun. It throws it all around. It, it puts stress on you. Fifty three point whatever yards wide that the field is. But I, I worry about them from a depth perspective as the season gets into the the meat of the season. Yeah, here's the thing. Uh, they, they're made an imprint just because Tennessee was so hungry to have any kind of success. I mean, they'd been going backwards, some really horrific losses, and uh, just a lot of instability there in the program. And all of a sudden, you get an offensive mayhem there. Fans love that. But defensively is the key. They've got to be able to get off the field, particularly on third down. Terrible last year where they'd get people second and long, third and long, and then the quarterback would scramble like Ole Miss did or – just any game, uh, their, their third down production, I'm sure Brent would know it exactly what it was, but it was very lacking. And, uh, you know, they've, they've gotten some guys in the portal, got a big game next week against Pittsburgh. I mean, that's it, going to be huge for them to play them in the non-conference. But uh, they're playing Fruit Jar Tech tonight. That's the nickname for Ball <laughs> State. And uh, they're playing like a little nutty out there. I think it's 37 nothing right now. Another game ongoing, Missouri is playing Louisiana Tech. That is a Louisiana Tech team quarterback by former Georgia quarterback Matthew Downing. So if you're watching us live, flip over and maybe you get to see him play over on ESPNU. Coach, as a whole, I'm worried for Missouri this year. I just don't see the overall talent there and a tough schedule. I could see it turning south pretty quickly for the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, defensively, they uh, just got to make some things happen. But offense, 
you know, they, their best players, their, their field goal kicker. I mean, uh, they kick more field goals in games than most teams do in practice. I mean, they really d- don't worry about kicking field goals. They never go for it. They just kick field goals, uh, even when they're getting their ass beat. But I don't understand it. But uh, certainly he's got his own method. But uh, they got this Luther Burden, that wide receiver that, that Georgia really wanted and thought we had. And he's supposed to be a spectacular player. But uh, – Quarterback-wise, we'll see how the guy does. But uh, the, the Missouri Tigers, to me, are, are lower echelon in the East, and they're going to be fighting with Vanderbilt and South Carolina and people like that to see how much they can make a, a move upward. Uh, they've had some good wins over Arkansas and uh, you know, in his first year, but realistically, uh, it's going to be a tough year for the, for the Tigers. If they get to six and six, I'll say if they get to six and six and are bowl eligible, that's a successful season for them. Because to me, just looking at the roster, now they're, they're, they have two good tackles. Uh, their two offensive tackles are really good football players. Uh, but outside of that, it's – are we going to see the true freshman at QB, Sam Horn from Collins Hill High School in here in Georgia? Uh, and then also if it does go south, how quickly is Luther Burden in the transfer portal? That might be the only questions that, that I have for this team. Six and six, he'll probably be history because they had the new athletic director and she came right in there and let the basketball coach go with, with you know, an okay record, probably better record than what Drinkowitz has. So, uh, like you say, six and six might be good, but I don't know if it's good enough. I, I, I'm not real high on the Tigers as much as I'd like to be. I got a lot of friends out there. I coach there, but uh, I just don't see it. Uh, I don't see the direction of the program heading the way a program should be doing, like the third year of Sam Pittman. Uh, he came in at the same time. You just don't see the same kind of uh, players in the program or the uh, – you know, it's just it's going to be hard. But this is why we go around the league, got to give an opinion. I mean, if you don't have an opinion, no, no need to be on the show. Speaking of teams with new athletic directors, they don't have it yet, and teams also that I am worried for, the Auburn Tigers play Missouri, 7 o'clock ESPN+. Plus. Uh, that's on Saturday. Uh, Brent, T.J. Finley being starting quarterback. Who do they play? You said Missouri. Who? Oh, did I say Missouri? Mercer Tigers. Mercer. Mercer Bears. Mercer Bears. I'm Bears. all over the board there. I'm, I'm sitting here ready to talk trash about Auburn. I can't even get Mercer right, and I grew up an hour from it. Uh, Brent, TJ Finley starting quarterback. I was surprised by it. I thought Calzada would be the guy there. And here we go. I I'm, I don't feel good for Brian Harson. No, and I think I almost feel the exact same question that, or, that I just said for Missouri and, and talk for Missouri applies to Auburn as well. Can they get to six and six and be bowl eligible? Because I don't know. They, I mean, they have some good football players. That you know, uh, Hall and the edge and uh, Wooden or Wooten uh, on the defensive line. They got some good players in certain spots. You know, Tank Bigsby is a is a player at running back. But I don't see it going well. I I could see game seven that Tank has some injury that just so happens it's going to keep him out for the rest of the season. I mean, I I think Harson is the odds on favorite to be the first coach fired. I mean, it's they need some positive momentum, and you know they got. Penn State at is it at Penn State? I think but it's at Penn State. Oh, it's, a, it's at Auburn. They had a whiteout last year. That's right. They had, so, they had the ball on the goal line against Penn State, ran an inexplicably, unbelievably bad play to win the, or lose the game. But you, you you certainly make a lot of good points about Bigsby and and certain athletes they got. But when you at the university there and you uh, 
finished 13th or 14th in recruiting two years in a row, you're not going to challenge Alabama, even though they almost beat them last year. But their their talent level, to me, is is only uh, exceeds Vanderbilt at this point. And uh, Vanderbilt's making a good move. They had a win over Hawaii, but uh, really they play Elon. I think it's the Sphinx now. It used to be the Fighting Christian, but uh, my whole hometown, the Elon Fighting Christians. But uh, a lot of people don't know that Elon spelled back, backwards as Noel. But anyhow, uh, when you look at the uh, Auburn Tigers, it just looks like a team in disarray. The athletic director just – I don't know what happened to him, but he's not there anymore. And uh, those power brokers over there are not real happy and I'm not talking about the administration. I'm talking about the big boys that got the big cash. So Auburn, uh, you know, could start out pretty good, though. Their schedule sets up for them to win several games. But uh, Penn State will be a big one for them. Penn State's playing Purdue tonight. And we'll see how that goes. But uh, I don't see Auburn uh, having that great a year. You mentioned Elon Vandy. Let's stick with them real fast. Did we learn anything from Vandy's win against Hawaii? Yeah, some offense from the Commodores. That was impressive. Quarterback looked good. But certainly uh, there's a reason that Hawaii's down. Their coach got fired right before spring practice. They, they had a tremendous amount of attrition on their team. That was the worst-looking Hawaii team I've ever seen. Uh, I've never seen them look that inept. I usually see them moving the ball, don't you, Brent? But uh, the I didn't watch much of it because it started at 1030. But seriously uh, – you know, hopefully you can get some more wins. Uh, uh, we'll see how they do in the, in the East, but uh, they're, they're a team that's struggling for personnel at this point. So uh, we're optimistic about some teams, pessimistic about others, but we could be wrong. But if we are, it might be one of the first times we've ever been wrong. So we'll <laughs> see how it works. I almost feel like there's a path, more of a path to bowl eligibility for them than Missouri. And that's, that kind of shocks me, but hey, that's cool. Tell Commodores about that; they'll love that. Coach, did you know that in 2022, Vanderbilt is one and zero, and Alabama is zero and one? Why is Alabama one? <laughs> because they lost in, to us. Because they that's lost right, to that's, that's, that's right. 2022. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, Stranger Things, but doesn't. Uh, it does make you feel good when you got a guy like Clark Lee up there. He understands the program. He's, he's played there. Uh, they've made some commitments to their facilities, which are just so bad. I mean, it's such a downer when you go in there. You got to keep your own team fired up uh, because the dressing rooms, the stands, you know, there's nobody. I mean, people don't even need parking passes. You just drive up to the stadium. So uh, I think they've made a commitment there to uh, enhancing the facilities and, you know, he can recruit with the idea. A lot of times lower echelon teams say, look, you got a chance to come in and play against the elite players. And if you do your job and get better and develop, you know, you're going to get a lot of exposure and you got a better chance to go into the pros. Woody Woodenhofer did that very well there. He got a lot of guys in there, particularly defensive backs that got drafted really high because they knew they were playing against week in and week out good teams. And the pro scouts got to see some good tape on them. Foster Moss watching us live on YouTube says, did you know Vandy leads college football in points per game? Well, I do right now. Hey, stranger <laughs> things have happened. 
55. Hashtag uh, facts. Some people make fun of Clark Lee for saying that his goal is to make Vanderbilt the best team in the country. I love it. I think that's awesome. That's what you should be saying if you're a college football coach. That should be everyone's goal. I don't think I've ever seen, and I've been watching those SEC, and I was in the SEC media days. So since 1996, I've been watching it. Clark Lee brought in a binder. It looked like he was getting ready to be uh, talk to the, the uh, CFO of uh, IBM. And he read the whole binder out for about two days and 14 nights before he took any questions. So he definitely wanted to put his program on the map as far as given what they were doing. But I don't know that anybody in the media liked that too much. They wanted to ask him some questions. But that binder, man, if somebody would steal that, that would be nice to see what all is in it. Next up, noon on the SEC Network on Saturday, Sam Houston against Texas A&M. Coach, Texas A&M, one of the top five most talented teams in the country. Uh, four losses is not going to do it this year for them. The expectations Yeah, it's time high. for them to make a move. I mean, you, they've got to get their offense in the 21st century from the standpoint of not taking all the way down to one second every time. All the defense is catching up with them. They're just waiting until they get lined up and then making their calls. Uh, they had a great game against uh, Alabama where Calzada was on fire and they attacked that uh, secondary of Alabama. But uh, uh, they made a move here. Maybe they're going to do more running with uh, – they didn't pick Max Johnson. They picked the other guy. And uh, they certainly got the talent level. They got a new defensive coordinator, came in from Ole Miss. Their, their D coordinator went to Duke as the head coach. It's showtime for Jimbo. I mean, it's time to step it up. Uh, eight and four not going to get it. Three out of four years, they've lost at least four games that he's been there. Only in twenty, and only in the COVID year where they, you know, they were nine and one that year. But my bold prediction for this team is that in week three they have Miami. Miami will be two and zero. They'll be two and zero. It'll be a top fifteen matchup. Max Johnson will replace Haynes King. Max Johnson will finish out the rest of the season for them at QB, and that will be the catalyst for them. Yeah, I hope Max. I mean, I'm pulling for Max. I mean, he went to high school with my grandson. Uh, you know, he's a good kid. I was hoping he'd win the job, but at the same time, you know, they got their reasons for p- picking the guy. But he, he's just not a passer like uh, you got to have in the SEC. Reminds me a lot of of the guy playing for the Ravens, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson. Can he, can he make a throw on third down when everybody knows you're throwing it? Uh, he, he's certainly going to run and everything, but uh, I don't know. Haynes King, you know, he got hurt against Colorado, too, you know, last year, and he had already won the job, but uh, I guarantee you their team will line up as pretty as anybody. Their athletes look as good as anybody in the country, and uh, they just got to put it all together. Four o'clock on the SEC Network Saturday, 21-and-a-half-point favorites. That's Ole Miss against Troy Brent, a team that really hopped in the portal super hard was Ole Miss, uh, just a new composition for the Rebels. Zach Evans is going to have a lot of numbers and do a lot of good things in that offense. And they, to me, like I said, the schedule part for them, I think they're going to be 7-0, 7-0 going into the LSU game on October 22nd. And that at that point, you're rolling with a lot of confidence. You're, whoever's playing quarterback for you is playing with a lot of confidence, and things are going really, really well for you. Yeah, you're going to have a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. It's going to be interesting to see if Lane takes over the uh, play calling duties. Uh, Charlie Weiss Jr. coming in there from uh, – Florida Atlantic. He was with uh, Coach Kiffin when he was head coach there. 
Uh, Charlie Weiss Jr. is supposed to be one of those rain man type guys. He just remembers everything, can really uh, disperse the team and uh, knows football. I mean, his dad was a great play caller. So, But the, the big thing for them, can their defense continue to improve? They made a good re- improvement under Durkin last year, but now they got a new D coordinator. Uh, but still wasn't great on defense. They had to outscore everybody. And then Matt Corral was part of their running game. He could do so much running the ball. Evans, as you mentioned, could be a really good transfer in from TCU. Kiffin is an excellent coach. He knows how to get his team based on what their abilities are to play to their maximum. Uh, That's a team that scares you anytime you play them. 7 o'clock on ESPN Plus, Kentucky hosting Miami of Ohio. And, Coach, it was two weeks ago that John Calipari took an interest in Kentucky football, saying that it's a basketball school. And then it was last week that Kentucky talks about suspensions on the football team. Are that is that related? I don't know. Yeah, I just don't think that's very good by John. I don't think the only thing he did was he, he helped them schedule this schedule because it looks like their basketball schedule and the cupcakes are playing. They have got some unbelievable wins. Uh, they're going to be 3-0 and on their non-conference, and then they've got Louisville, who's improved. But uh, they got four, probably 3.5 wins starting the season. They got a really good quarterback in Levis. And w- what's the situation going to be with their running back in the second game? He's up for a DUI, and he's going to be suspended the first game. Will he make it the second game? Miami of Ohio is a team that, Really does a good job with the players they have. They've had some good wins, but I, I look for uh, Kentucky to just go out and blast them. This is the first season for me that Stoops has just a lot of question marks. Like, you know, they lost all the playmakers. They lost all, a lot of the offensive line. They lost their best players on defense and most experienced players on defense. They're just having to replace a lot with, and it's not like they brought in guys. You know, they brought in the receiver from Virginia Tech, the Robinson kid but it's not like they brought in a ton. So they're replacing based upon the recruiting and, and their own development. And, you know, that's the case. Now also the OC part, you know, they completely change their system. They go to the sort of Rams, McVeigh, Shanahan type system. They bring in another guy, Scangarello or something like that, that that's also in that mold, but it's been a while since he's called plays. What Levis last year, second most in the conference in terms of open or wide open throws that he had, to, that he made. I just I think there's a lot of questions, and this is possibly a sort of regression team for me. One final team, and that's because uh, these are all non-conference games. Typically, our shows won't go this long. 7.30 on SEC Network, Alabama, a 41.5-point favorite against Utah State. Uh, this is a bit of a cupcake start, but Utah State is 1-0, Coach. Yeah, Utah State uh, had a great year last year. Uh, they do a good job of spreading the field, but uh, they're going to have a hard time against this Alabama offense. Uh, Alabama's running game should be better than it was last year. Defensively, they, they're going to get a better defensive front. Got some bigger guys now, and their secondary had a lot of holes last year, a lot of injuries, but I think they'll be uh, markedly better than they were. So uh, this is Alabama team that will crush Utah State. Overall, looking at Alabama this year, to me, the one impact player that they brought in that changes everything for them, to me, is Gibbs. And that's Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. Because they've existed now for a few years with explosive receivers and good quarterback play. And you knew you were going to get that, and they were going to be able to create it because of how good Bryce Young is. Najee Harris, with his 
level of play at the running back position brought a whole nother dynamic for them. And Gibbs to that for that is me or for me is that bad said there, but just the other part for them, the bringing in Kentucky's offensive line coach. I mean, I, I had very much worries. I think they're an injury away from being in trouble in the offensive line again. I, I have some questions, but obviously the talent and how good Bryce Young is and Will Anderson and all the guys that they have are going to out outplay and out be just fine against most of their opponents. Let's wrap this. Yeah, I was just I was just basically going over that game. I didn't know we were going to break down their whole. <laughs> you did a good. Job. Well, you you did such a good job with the game, coach, that I just went. Okay, but I, that's that's good. They got some holes. There's no question about it. But uh, what do we got next? We're going to wrap each show with a bold prediction from each of us, and some of these are going to get a little wonky throughout the year. We get that, but the bold prediction each week brought to you by Connor Grading and Landscaping. So I'll begin. Uh, and my bowl prediction is not only will Auburn not get bowl eligible, I think Auburn will be the worst team in the West, a four-win Auburn Tigers team. Okay, what about you, Brent? Well, I kind of preempted mine already, right? I, I said, may, Did I say that already when I said I think Max Johnson takes over in the third game in Miami when Texas A&M is struggling, right. takes the job there, and runs with it the rest of the way? Coach? Hey, that's really stepping out now, uh, that's for sure. I, I, I just feel like that uh, – Arkansas is going to have a good year. I just don't know if they can have the kind of year everybody wants them to have. So I'm pulling hard for Sam Pittman, but I don't see Arkansas improving that much on those eight wins this year. Well, that's our first episode of Around the League. Make sure you support the people who support us. Connor Grading and Landscaping, ASW Distillery. We appreciate them for sponsoring Around the League from UGASports.com. We'll be back next Thursday, 8 o'clock. For head coach Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins, I'm Dane Young. Football is back, baby. Football is back. Thanks for watching, everybody.